Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we just sang a song of praise to God that He is worthy. And I want to expand upon that as we get ready to enter into this message. You can thank God and praise Him because He understands. He understands everything about your life and especially what we're getting ready to talk about. Because sometimes we have this concept that when God saves us, that He set us into motion to live a life and He kind of let us on our own to live it and you know we get defeated and we think that God is displeased with us. He doesn't understand the struggles that take place in our life. But the passage we're getting ready to read is from a man who was an apostle who was called of God who wrote half of the New Testament. The book of Acts was written by a contemporary of his reflects half of the book is reflective of Paul and his ministry. Here's somebody that we look at as a super Christian, but he's getting ready to tell us in this passage that he's just like you and I. That he struggles just like you and I. See, we've been talking about the new reality, understanding our salvation, and understanding the life that he's given us to live. And there's an aspect of the new reality that you and I need to be aware of, and that is that we're going to struggle as Christians. And the person we're going to struggle with isn't with others around us. It's going to be with yourself. There's going to be a battle that rages in your life. Every day of your life until you go with Jesus. There's a struggle that exists within the hearts of every one of us. And so let's look at what Paul says. I want you to notice with me verse 13 through the end of the chapter. And as we read these verses, I want you to think, is this describing you? I know when I read these verses, I can understand exactly what he's saying because I see it in my own life. Listen to what he says. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that, I, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin, through the commandment, might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. What I hate... That I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. 
I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. What we're going to see here as we try to understand the new reality of the Christian life that we have through salvation is that there is a war that is going on within each and every one of us. A war between what we know to do is which is right and the desire to do it, but we just can't seem to do it. And a war against what we know is wrong that we don't want to do, but we end up doing it. And there's that struggle within us. We want to stop doing it, but we can't. We want to do, but we can't do it either. And that's what the Apostle Paul is describing here. Can I be honest with you? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that very same struggle takes place in each and every one of your lives. Each and every one of you. In fact, have you noticed that with younger Christians, they sometimes will struggle with whether or not they're saved? I think it comes right out of this battle. Because they don't understand it. Because when they want to do good, they can't do it. They do the bad that they don't want to do. And so they think, maybe I'm not saved because I shouldn't have this struggle going on within me. And so they begin to wrestle with the assurance of their salvation. They begin to wrestle with, am I really saved or not? But as you mature in Christ, you realize that battle that goes on and it leads to defeat in your life. It's a struggle. And it's not just a struggle that is relegated to you. Because the enemy would like you to think that you're the only one who's wrestling with it. The enemy would like to think that you're the only one struggling. But when we read these scriptures, as we just did, we realize that the apostle, Paul, had the very same struggle. It's a part of our lives. And so let's look, at, look rather deeply into what he's saying here today and try to gain some encouragement for you and I as we try to live the life that God wants us to live. First of all, notice the principle. Verse 13 through 14, he gives us a principle. Verse 13 especially, notice what he says. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that the sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Here's what he's saying. Here's the principle. The power of sin, the power of sin is very real in our lives. The power of sin is very real in our lives. Listen, you inhabit a body of flesh. You know, I've been a believer now 22 years. Before I became a believer, I was an unbeliever. And I trained my body in sin. I trained my body to understand sin. And my body wants to sin. And the power of sin in my life is very real. It's very real in every one of your lives. Have you ever noticed that? You don't have to try real hard to sin. Ever notice that? You don't have to force yourself to sin. It just comes naturally, doesn't it? The wrong just flows. Even as you get older, you think you've got it conquered. And then you don't, just given the right circumstance, the right situation, what happens? You sin. And you're like, 
I should have known better than that. But the very real power of sin exists in each and every one of you. In each and every one of us, it exists. It's real in our lives. We need to understand that. We need to understand that. He didn't erase it from us when we got saved. It will only be removed from us when we die and go to heaven with Him. You and I inhabit a body of flesh. And so then he brings up the next point. Verse 14, notice what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. Here's the point. Now, some of you may not like this, but at our core, we are carnal. At the very essence of who you are, physically. Not spiritually, because spiritually you're a new person. But at the very essence of who you are physically, in this physical body, you're carnal. You're bent towards sin. You're bent towards sin. I was, we get focused on the family magazine. We get the pastoral edition. They have a clergy edition that comes in. And I was reading one of the stories and there was about a mother who went to school and saw her little Johnny. And the teacher was just, everybody else was out of the class, but her, the teacher was just wagging the finger and, and just, uh, just letting him have the raspberries about something. And she thought, well, surely this teacher must be wrong about my little Johnny. I've been, you know, I've been teaching him in the scripture and everything. Surely he hasn't done anything wrong. But then she thought, well, maybe, maybe he has. And so she's watching this exchange take place. And then all of a sudden the teacher just has this shocked look on her face and runs out the room and slams the door and bursts out laughing in the hallway right by the mom of little Johnny. And the mom is sitting there bewildered, wondering, what's going on? What's happening? And then the teacher, laughing, 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 says, I was just reprimanding your son for something, and he replied to me. I said, Johnny, why are you doing this? And he said, there's foolishness bound up in my little heart. <laughs> and then the teacher ran back into the room to finish reprimanding him. But that's true. There's foolishness bound up in our little hearts, aren't there? Aren't there? At the very core of who we are is sin. It's carnal. You ain't good. You need to recognize that. Now, He has made you good, but in the essence of who you are, you're not. You're carnal. So that's the principle that we need to understand. So then when he gets to verses 15 through 20, the apostle stops from the principle and then begins to reflect on his personal life. And he exposes himself. He makes himself vulnerable to show us that he's just like you and I because he talks about the struggle within. First of all, I want you to notice what he says in verse 15. He says this, For what I am doing, I do not understand. What a statement. Here's the Apostle Paul. Wrote half of the New Testament. He's saying he doesn't understand something? What's he talking about? Here's what he's saying. We are frustrated by our actions. We get frustrated by our actions. Have you ever done something like this? I'm not going to do that today. When I get with my friends, I'm not going to act this way. Or when I go to McDonald's, I'm only going to order one instead of two. Or I'm not going to be this way with my spouse. Have you ever done something like that? Where you have told yourself you're not going to respond in a different way. And then sure enough, you get in a situation, you get in a restaurant, you get with your spouse, you, you get with that group of friends, and guess what happens? What you said you wouldn't do. And then you want, you get frustrated. Like, why did I act that way? 
Why did I do that? And you get upset with yourself. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. And guess what? You keep doing it again. You keep doing it again. See, that's what the Apostle is saying to us here. He's saying at the very first part of this personal section, he says, for what I am doing, I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on in my life, the Apostle says. Isn't that interesting? He's just like you and I. See, some of you are here today and you think, man, God can't use me. God can't bless someone like me because I'm struggling in this area. I'm struggling with this issue. And every time I try, I just fall flat on my face. How can He use someone like me? And the enemy comes to you and he whispers to you, yes, He can't use you. You're the only one going through that. You're the only one. You're the only one struggling in that area. My friends, we just read in the Word that the Apostle had the same frustration. And I don't think any one of us would hear, would say that he wasn't used. He was. The fact that you were here is testimony of the Apostle Paul. Because he was the what? The Apostle to the Gentiles. Which I think is all of us here. See, the struggle within is very real and we get frustrated by our actions. And, and then notice now, he goes on then and talks about that struggle within, verse 15 through 20. Notice what he says there. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but I hate that I do. Here's the point he's making. We cannot do what we know is right. We cannot do in our own strength, what we know is right. You know, it's not a question of whether or not we know what is right and wrong. All of us have a concept of what's right and wrong. Have you noticed that? We don't have to have education classes in, do this because this is the right thing to do. You all have been stomping around the earth for a long time now to know between the difference between right and wrong. You know what is right. You know what you need to do that's right. The problem is, have you noticed? Doing it. It's not a problem of knowing it. It's a problem of doing it. See, that's the struggle. The struggle that's within us is doing what we know is right. It's not knowing it. We have an understanding. You may even have a spouse that reminds you. But the problem is doing it. Doing what is right. Doing it. That's the struggle that's within. Not only do we not know what to do, we do not do what we know is right. Here's, what we, here's the other point he makes. We cannot stop doing what is wrong. Not only can we not do what is right, we can't stop doing what's wrong. We're hooked. We're hooked. We can't stop doing what's wrong. It's very real. It was very real in his life. It's very real in our lives. If you're a believer here, let me just go ahead and say it. You and I are just like him. He's just like us. You know, that's an interesting point here. You know what? Sometimes we'll be in church and, you know what? Maybe you're sharing with people and they'll say, you say to I want you to come to my church. And they'll say, oh, you know, I tried that church thing, but there's nothing but hypocrites in the church. How many of you have heard that? There's nothing but hypocrites in the church. How many of you have heard that? You know what? They're right. Because for some reason we put on airs to think we've got our act together. You ever notice that? There's a lot of Christians you'll meet, they, they, they put on airs to think, well, I have arrived. Listen, if he hadn't arrived who wrote the scripture, don't tell me you have. You know my point? 
If the man who wrote half of the New Testament says to you that he's got a struggle within him going on where he cannot do what is right but ends up doing what's wrong, don't tell me you've got your act together. Don't tell me that. There's that struggle that takes place within us. That struggle that takes place within us. And so then verse 20 to 21 then, he gives us the reality. Here's the reality. If you're going to understand the life that you live in, you need to understand there is a reality of something taking place in your life. There is something that you need to grasp. In verse 21 to 23, notice what he says. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Here's the first thing I want you to see is, there is a battle going on within us. That's the reality. There is a battle going on within us. I want everybody to raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, I want everybody to look around. The reason why I had everybody raise your hand because I wasn't going to ask you to do it because the reality is that all of you have this battle going on with you. So I want everybody to look around. Look around. Just look around, everybody. Look around. Now, why am I having you do that? I want you to understand that you're not the only one with this battle. You're not the only one who's struggling with the mind that wants to do right but a body that keeps doing wrong. A mind that knows and a heart that knows to do right, but a body that keeps doing wrong. There's a battle within us going on. Every one of us. Every one of us are in the midst of a battle. That's reality. Isn't it something we'll tell people when they get saved? Oh, when you get saved, things will get better. Really? I can remember 21 years. I didn't have this kind of stuff going on in my life. In fact, this battle appears after you get saved. The desire to do what's right and the inability to stop doing what's wrong. There's a battle that goes on within us. A battle that goes on within us. Rodney Cooper, in a book entitled Shoulder to Shoulder, shares this. He said, My favorite definition is one articulated by my friend Bill Perkins. He defines an addict as a person who is unable to resist the repeated urge to enter into a love relationship with an object or an event for the pleasure and the illusion of intimacy it provides. That definition has three parts. First part is this. When we're hooked on something, we can't say no. When we're hooked on something, we can't say no. Number two, the object of our compulsion gives us pleasure, gives us great pleasure. And then number three, the process or the substance to which we are addicted gives us the illusion of intimacy. It gives us the illusion of intimacy. This is the crucial element. One, every man needs to realize addictions are the true real enemy of intimacy and prevent us from developing close relationships. There's a battle going on within us. We're all addicts of some sort. You say, oh, I'm not a drug addict. No, but you might be addicted to a gobbler. You might be addicted to ladies, chocolate, or something else. Family, kids. And it robs you. It robs you 
of your intimacy. And you say, I know I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't do it. But you keep finding yourself wanting to do it, wanting to do it, wanting to do it. There's a battle that's going on within us, isn't there? There's a battle. The second thing I want you to see is verse 24. Look at what 24 says. Paul's cry. Listen to him. This is the apostle. Let's go how he describes himself. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of death? Here's what he We are desperate for freedom. We are desperate for freedom. Many scholars believe that when the Apostle Paul talks about being delivered from the body of death, he had in mind a practice that took place back 2,000 years ago among conquering armies. Whenever a conquering army in that time frame would go into and defeat an, uh, an army and take prisoners, in order to keep the prisoners from escaping, they would tie a dead body of one of their comrades to their back. And so when they walked around, they were carrying a dead, rotting carcass to their back. And so they think that when the Apostle Paul was saying, who will deliver me from this body of death, he's talking about literally being a captive to the struggle that's going on within him between knowing to do what's right and the ability not to stop doing what's wrong. And so when he cries out, he's crying out for freedom. You know, I don't know about you, but you know, when I think about the struggle in my life, I cry out for freedom all the time. Here's what I cry out for. Come back, Jesus. Because I know that when I go to be with Jesus, this body will be stripped away. And at that moment, instantly, all desire for sin, all desire to do what's wrong, all desire will be stripped away forever. I long for that day. I long for the freedom. That's what he's crying out for. You and I long for the freedom from what? Doing what's wrong. When we know what we need to do, that's right. That's what the Apostle is saying here. We are desperate for that freedom. And so then verse 25, he then sums it up because you and I could say, well man, it's miserable. Well, I might as well just give up then, George, because I've got this struggle going on. I'm never going to find victory I'm not going to find it. Well, verse 25, notice what he says, because he tells us the victory in verse 25. He says this. Notice what he says. I thank God through who? Through Christ our Lord. Here's the point. Our victory is found in Jesus Christ. Our victory is found in Jesus Christ. Our victory is found in Jesus Christ. See, here's what I've learned. I've learned now that there's this war going on within me. I've learned now that there's this struggle between knowing what I want, know that's right to do and the inability to stop doing what's wrong. I say, well, Lord, I'm in a quandary now. How do I do this? I can't do it. And he says, you're right. You can't do it, but I through you can. So now when I wake up in the morning and I pray and I say, Lord, this is your day, I cry out to him and I say, Lord, help me. Help me, you, through me, to do what's right. Lord, help me to do what's right. He'll give you the strength to do it. See, Jesus is our victory. See, you're here today and you've got this struggle going on and you just can't seem to overcome it. And you've tried, you've tried, you've tried. You're right. You can't because you've tried. It needs to be two of you. You mean my spouse? No. You and Jesus. 
You and Jesus. And you'll have the victory. You'll have the victory. See, that's what we see here. That's the reality of the Christian life. You came in here and you were defeated. You thought, there's no way God could use me. You came in here and you thought, I'm just a miserable Christian because I'm struggling, 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 struggling. But you came and you realized that you're no different than anyone else. You're no different than anyone else. You're no different than me. I'm no different than you. And the wonderful thing is, is we both have Jesus. All of us have Jesus if we know him to give us the victory. We've got to go to Jesus for the victory. Three things I want you to think about. Number one is this. Are you defeated by your actions? Are you defeated by your actions? Are you? Is it some habit? Is it an addiction? Is it an attitude? Is it the way you're treating people in your life? Is it maybe something you're doing at work that you say you want to stop? Is it something personal? Maybe it's something public? Are you defeated by something you know within your heart? You try to ignore it. You try to do what you can. Every time you make the effort to stop it, you can't stop it. Are you defeated by your actions? Be honest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand now. You need to say to myself, yeah, that's me. I am struggling with this issue. And you know the issue. It's right there. It's in your mind. Are you defeated by your actions? Next thing I want you to do is this. Recognize the battle within you. Recognize the battle within you. Recognize it. There's a war going on, and it's not just in Iraq and Afghanistan. There's a war right here at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, PA. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, there's about 50 wars going on in here. Or more. And it's within your own lives. Between what you know to do right, and what you know that you shouldn't do. There's a war going on. Recognize it. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. And finally, cry out to Jesus for the victory. Cry out to Jesus for the victory. Cry out to Him. Tell Him, Lord, I need You. I've been trying on my own and I can't do it. I need You. I need you. The victory's there. But you know why you don't have it? James, you have not because you ask not. You're not asking for the victory. You're not going to Him to help you. Start. Live in the victory He has for you. Ignore the enemy. Ignore the voice that says to you, you can't do it. Yeah, he's right. You can't do it. But with Jesus, you can do anything. In fact, what did Paul say earlier? I can do all things through what? Christ who strengthens me. Don't be a casualty to the war. Be a victor.
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.